You are listening to episode 16. This episode is brought to you by QuickBooks, which is one of the best apps for starting entrepreneurs. I've literally been using this app since I launched my business, and it has helped me, who doesn't have an accountant brain, to keep my books in order and to send them in an organized fashion to my accountant. So I recommend it to anyone who's trying to launch a business and is doing that as a solopreneur or entrepreneur. I, of course came across Santia Deck through LinkedIn again. It's a great place to find talented people. And I was floored by all her fitness videos and her intensity. And she had a huge following on LinkedIn, about 44,000 people, and an even bigger following on Instagram, 300,000. But the cool thing was that she was representing a different side, I believe, of femininity. She was a girl really going after it in football and rugby, and yet showing her feminine side. And it was really cool to see that kind of strength being portrayed on social media platforms. So I knew I had to interview her. What I didn't know, and probably what she couldn't have known yet, was that she would later get the opportunity to become the highest paid female football player of all time. She recently in December signed a multi-million dollar deal with the WFLA, making her the highest paid female football player of all time. And I was so glad that I had the opportunity to interview her because I already kind of saw her star power beforehand, but it was really cool to know that person and to see that journey happen for them. So without further ado, you get to learn about her process and her journey and what it took to get there on today's episode. Welcome to the Okiki Podcast, where we make inspirational people known. Brought to you by your host, Fian O'Brien. everyone. Thank you so much again for tuning in to the Okiki podcast. And today I have an amazing guest. Uh, Her name is Santia Deck. And she is an amazing athlete. She's doing some crazy things. Uh, She has about like 300,000 followers on Instagram and 44,000 followers on LinkedIn. And she's really inspiring people with her athleticism and her initiative. So I'm so excited to have her on the podcast today. And thank you so much, Santia, for being willing to do this. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> and do you mind telling us a little bit about you and your educational background and just your background in general? How did you get to this place? Yeah, so um, I actually went to Texas A&M Kingsville. I graduated in 2014. Um, I was an English major and a psychology minor. Wow. Um, so my degree really 
doesn't have a lot to do with what I do now, but I can say I kind of did what I wanted to do with my degree while I was still in school because I wrote a book, um, got it published, got it put in my in the bookstore. Uh, it's on Amazon right now. Yeah. So I kind of, I kind of, you know, was lucky enough to do exactly what I wanted to do while I was still, you know, trying to finish school. Um, but I guess we use English every day as well. <laughs> so, um, you know, in psychology as well, like I use a lot of psychology, you know, with what I do physically. Um, in meetings, you know, of course, we use psychology just in life. So, you know, I guess I was lucky in that way. But um, yeah, so I had a full ride to, you know, Texas a with a track and field scholarship, um, mm-hmm. graduated, uh, tried to go pro in track. Unfortunately, I got injured. Uh, so that kind of ended my career with track. Um, and then I got introduced to flag football, um, did really, really well. Um, I'm currently on the USA flag football team right now. Uh, then rugby kind of fell in my lap. And, uh, you know, I was on the journey this year actually to, for the 2020 Olympics for rugby. Uh, we got injured again. So, you know, we're hoping that 2024 will work out. So, you know, yes. that's what we're, we're aiming for now. Wow. Okay. So you do both flag football and rugby at a very high competitive level. Yes. Wow. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> the GTs. Um, wow. So what actually inspired you then to do, yeah, flag football and rugby? Um, so flag football, literally, like I was, um, you know, I was still trying to get over the fact that my track and field career was over. So I, I needed to find something to kind of keep my mind off of it. And, uh, you know, I saw this sign one day and it was like flag football trial for women. And I was like, cool, you know, like all my brothers played football. They all did very, very well in their football careers. You know, I was naturally athletic anyway. So I was like, let me just see what happens. I went to a practice and like the rest was history. Like I fell in love with it. I've been doing it for like five years now. Um, and, uh, you know, so that happened with that. And then rugby was even more strange because I was literally just on Facebook. Um, and I got a DM from like the USA rugby coach and he was like, Hey, um, we've seen your videos of you playing flag football. You're really fast, really agile. Have you ever thought about going to the Olympics for rugby? And I was like, uh, Mm -hmm. I have, but sure. And so he was like, yeah, we'll teach you everything. Don't worry. You're fast. You know? And so Literally the next week, I was flown out to California, went to the Olympic Center. Unfortunately, uh, the coach got fired really like two days after I landed. Um, oh. So I was out there completely lost. Nobody knew why I was there except him, and he was gone. So the new coach came in, and she was like, why are you here? You don't even know what you're doing. And I was like, look, I was just brought up here because I was fast. I was told I was going to get taught. She was like, oh, we, I have a whole different plan. So unfortunately, I'm going to send you home, but when you learn how to play, then maybe we'll, we can talk. And so, like, that was my, like, first introduction to rugby. And that was, like, four years ago. Oh, my goodness. Fast forward to now, like, everybody was tagging me on Instagram. This is one really, really, really good girl that plays. She's actually my idol for rugby. And they were mm-hmm. like, man, you could do this. You can, like, be as good as her or better. And I was like, you know what? Let me just try to actually learn how to play this sport. <laughs> and so, like, you know, it's been a year now. I've been learning. Everything has gone so fast. I was in Fiji. I was in the U.K. I was in New Zealand for rugby. So wow. like my career just took off, but you know, unfortunately my body was just, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot of stress on my body and flight going from flight to flight, time zone to time zone, you know, it just kind of took a toll on my body and I just wasn't able to really, uh, you know, finish through, but 2024 is going to definitely be my year. So, you know, I'm just going to keep the hope alive. Wow. Okay. How do you, <laughs> I just trying to conceptualize, how do you manage both? Because clearly you're very good at both sports. So like, is it that you're just constantly at both practices and clearly they're different sports as well. Um, so like, how do you, 
yeah, how do you like conceptually and physically and mentally like get into both spaces? And is there any crossover? Do they help each other in any way? Oh man, um, I'm not gonna lie, it's very hard <laughs> um, because um, how my schedule was going before I had to kind of like kind of put like football to the side for a little while. Um, mm-hmm. I was having practice um, both for both, you know, so Monday and Monday, Thursday was flat was no, it was rugby. And then Wednesday, Friday was flag football. And okay. then Saturday I had rugby games and Sunday I had flag football games. So that was just like way, way too much. And plus I'm a business owner. So, you know, I'm doing all that stuff. Yeah. And, um, like my manager was like, yo, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to burn, like crash and burn eventually. And that's actually what happened recently. I haven't really told too many people about, you know, where I'm at with things right now, because I actually have to kind of on bed rest in a way, but I'm really not on bed rest, if that makes sense. Um, I, I was diagnosed with burnt, with burnout uh, because my body just was like, it wasn't, it was, it wasn't going anymore. And I was just like, what is happening? Like, this isn't me. Went to the doctor. My doctor was like, I told you, <laughs> I told you to sit down. And wow. I, you know, I was being very hard headed. Um, and so now mm-hmm. I'm actually just now getting back into really, really working out. I had to take like a month off. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I burnt out and it's hard. It's very mm-hmm. hard and challenging. So I had to decide, okay, do I want to focus on rugby or do I want to focus on flag football? And um, flag football is always going to be here. You know, I already made the USA team. And, you know, we, we do similar things. Like, I have a lot of games. Actually, all my games with flag football are out of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I just have to say, okay, I can't, I can't physically do that and be, a, you know, an Olympic athlete at the same time. So, for now, my focus is more so rugby, but I still do flag football. Like, I still go to tournaments. I still play in games and, like, charity games and things like that. But as far as it being, like, my huge, like, main focus, that's kind of on the – I don't want to say I put it on a back burner, but it's not as important to me as rugby at this very moment. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's tough. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say, oh, it's just a walk in the park. It's, just, it's not. You know, they both require 100 percent of yourself mm-hmm. and I'm only 100 percent of a person. So, you know, I was uh, I was definitely running myself thin and, uh, you know, I paid for it at the end. Wow. Yeah, because I guess um, with rugby, like you said, there's that Olympic option. And it's like football's not quite in that space yet. And even then, yeah. it's like they're both probably the same Olympics. So you would yeah, see yeah. So I don't think have to that. choose. <laughs> yeah, like, where are you going? That's exactly. a, wow. That's amazing. Yeah, because you know I know of athletes that like sometimes they do both. Like, was it Haley Wickenheiser? She used to do like hockey in the winter and then baseball in the summer, softball in the summer. And I just that just blew my mind that she made the Olympic team for both sides. And I was always like, how? And- and that's that's actually a, a tad like don't get me wrong it's not easy but it's a tad bit easier as far as like scheduling because you're literally focused on one sport during the fall and then one sport during the summer which is a lot easier than if they're both summer sports and that yeah. that was my biggest issue was unfortunately both sports are year round so mm-hmm. it's like I don't get a break at all and I was just like yeah but I yeah. thought about that like I was like maybe I should try to do like a winter sport. Oh yeah. Like, you know, an Olympic winter sport, but I, I always thought about bobsledding and I actually got contacted about that before, but I was like, what? Why? But now I see so many track and field athletes like Lolo Jones, like she does that, you know, so, and she's actually very successful at it. So, um, you know, who knows, who knows what guy has planned. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Um, uh, yeah. So I kind of wanted to go into this part of like, 
then what goes in terms of you being a player then for, let's just say for rugby, um, in terms of training and fundraising and, um, yeah, like what goes into that? Cause you talked about travel and like all those aspects. So what, what do you need to do to actually like make that happen? I guess. Oh man. Um, well, unfortunately the when you're an amateur athlete trying to go pro of course most of the time you're paying for everything um but a lot of olympic hopefuls they have sponsors so Mm -hmm. i was definitely blessed to have pretty much everything i needed um from different companies that was trying to support just different people that believed in what i was doing um so you know as far as that that was a it was tough trying to get you know people to of course definitely bigger companies because they're like well you're not exactly you know olympian but i can't see that you're you know you're making strides so trying to just convince bigger companies to support you is a little tough when you're, you don't have your pro card. So mm-hmm. I would say that was a challenge for me, but I do have a lot of people that might not be an Adidas or a Nike that was just like, yo, I really like what you're doing. Like you've been grinding for this since blah, blah, blah. And so I was lucky. Um, you know, I had uh, protein sponsors. I had food sponsors. I had a lot of people that were just helping me. Um, mm-hmm. But what, you know, I guess as far as like what it takes, you know, first definitely having the sponsors. Secondly, um, having just a drive to uh, just continue every day with it because, you know, um, it's it's tough. Like some days you don't want to get up and train. You know, some days you're so sore and beat up. You're like, man, like I just want to take like a week off. But, you know, it's, it's not it's not something that was possible. And I was training every single day. I was traveling from state to state, tra- you know, training with different trainers, having mm-hmm. to go to combines, um, you know, coming back from like, a, let's just say like I was in the UK, I had to come all the way back. And uh, the next day I had a combine, which was like extremely tough on my body. Um, and then just making sure you're recovering. Uh, that's that's also probably the number one thing for athletes is like making sure you're recovering just as much as you're training. And uh, for me, that was not balanced. And that's another reason why I ended up hurt. Um, but that and then just having a support system, um, having people that believe in what you're doing, you know, because some days you need that. Sometimes you need somebody to say, yo, like, you know, you're doing a good job, you know, you're almost there, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's not for everybody. It's, that's why it's 1% of the world has ever even, or not even 1%, I think it's even lower than that. That's actual an actual Olympian. So, um, you know, it's it's not for everybody and it's a tough journey, you know, to <laughs> say the least. And um, I guess along with that, I didn't really put this in, um, but do you also have to like see a sports psychologist then because you are kind of in a very like you guys are like the niche like you you know people look at you guys and all around the world like I'm obsessed with the Olympics for example and they're like wow those humans are doing incredible things so do you feel like because of where that standpoint is you need to like yeah get like extra support that way yeah um if even if it's not like a actual sports but you know like psychology or psychologist um like somebody that you can at least talk to Mm -hmm. because um I don't think people understand just the mental um the mental load that you have to take on when Mm -hmm. you are training so much because let's just say you know you you get a little tweak you know then it's like in your mind it's like yo like I can't afford this right now so you have to have people that's kind of keeping you stable sometimes Mm-hmm. because it's like you know your whole life is literally training at that for like a whole year before 2020 or the olympics or whatever so it's just trying to make sure you're still being a human because mm-hmm. i think sometimes we lose focus on that because it's like it almost becomes like a robotic thing because it's like all you do is wake up train eat 
wake up, train, eat. And sometimes you forget about other things in life, like, you know, just trying to balance your friends or sometimes trying to balance your relationships and things like that. And um, you definitely need a support system like anything else in life. But yeah, for athletes <laughs> on that journey, yeah, it's, you need somebody to talk to. Even if it's not, you know, like I said, somebody that's, you know, certified, but just somebody that you can talk to, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I noticed, um, and maybe you can kind of elaborate on this for the audience, but I noticed there's like so much more to your brand than even just being an athlete. Mm -hmm. um, there's so many facets of what you do. So right. I guess my question to you is, what initiatives have you made to establish this brand or this, I guess, yeah, this brand that you're creating across your different social media platforms? Um, well, really started in college. Um, I was actually late on Instagram. I got on like, I think two years, two or three years after it came out. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> Cause I was like, it's dumb. I was like, you know, we was all on Facebook and stuff. So I was like, why? Mm -hmm. But then like, I remember I'm super competitive. So I remember my friend was on Instagram. She was like, oh, I bet I could get more followers. In. And so from there, <laughs> that's why I was like, okay, let me get on here and like prove her wrong. And all I really did, to be honest, was, um, I was posting my workouts that we were doing in college, you know, for track. And people were just like, man, like, that's crazy. Like, I never seen this, these type of workouts. And then my stomach became like a big deal because I have very, you know, noticeable abs for a girl mm -hmm. or whatever. And so that became like a thing as well for me. Um, and then I started to actually learn about Instagram. So like I was following other influencers. I was asking them questions. And mm -hmm. I remember the first time, like it was this girl um, that I used to do shout out for shout out with, you know, when I was first starting. And I remember she used to always post like, oh, got the shirt from blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what is that? Like, is that free? And she was like, yeah, like they just send me free stuff. And in college, I was like, free? Okay, let me learn how to get some free stuff because I'm struggling <laughs> yeah. out here. And yeah. so like, I learned that game and they said, you know, like I had got my first shirt, which was from Hawaii, a company in Hawaii. Um, and that was it. Like, I was like, yo, I want to make, I want to make money from this. Mm -hmm. And so like, I talked to my mom, who's also my manager. Um, and uh, she was like, you know, yeah, you get a lot of followers, you know, let's actually brand this. And I was like, well, what should I be called? And no, she said, well, what do you want to be called? And I was like, I don't know, like, maybe like Princess of Abs. And she was like, why be a princess when you can be a queen? <laughs> and so then Queen of Abs, that be, that's my, my LLC, that's my brand. Mm -hmm. And um, that's, it just took off from there. But um, yeah, you know, I was lucky enough. And I, and I tell athletes this now, like, build your brand while you're still an athlete. Because when you're done and retired, nobody cares. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Like, you're, like, yeah. old news. So it's, like, while you're on TV every Sunday or on TV every Saturday, whatever, make sure you're actually making money and building something so that when you're done, you're not lost. Because a lot of athletes have no idea who they are after sports. Mm. And so that's what I talk to a lot of kids about, too. So, yeah, you know, I was uh, blessed to have an entrepreneur family. And uh, my mom is, like, my big supporter. So, yeah. Cool. So you established this brand, um, Queen of Abs, and also what else do you do? Uh, because I think the audience should know this as well. Yeah, yeah. Man. <laughs> uh, what do I start? So um, I'm an online trainer. Um, I'm also a public speaker. I'm a published author. Uh, I'm a fitness model. Uh, I do TV stuff. Uh, I was in Steve Austin's Broken Skull Challenge. I have my own talk show. I'm actually going to be on another show this month that's on that's going to be on Bravo. Can't really wow. say yet, but y'all just look out for me. I'll make a post about it. Um, and then I'm coming out with a shoe line. Um, and I'm also coming out with a supplement line and a sock line and a apparel line. So, um, wow. <laughs> I do, uh, and then I'm an influencer. So I do a lot of campaigns. I do a lot of events, a lot of red carpet stuff, a lot of appearances. So I do a lot, man. It's a... <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> Great. No, I, I wanted you to share that because a lot of people may not realize, like, you're not just an athlete. You're like a full-fledged yeah, kind of... Like, <laughs> I try to tell people that, man, I'm more than just one thing. So yeah. you, know, you got to be. You got to have variety. Awesome. And I guess I wanted to say... um you kind of mentioned this before, actually, with rugby, but I wanted to ask, what was your biggest obstacle in, I guess, joining this sport or, like, deciding this is what you wanted to do? And how did you overcome it? Um, Definitely just learning the actual sport because um, the unfortunate thing is um, playing football for as long as I have, it's a very forward-moving sport. And rugby mm-hmm. is kind of the opposite. Is you have to pass backwards and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And so, like, learning the technique and then, like, going from that to then going to football was, like, you know, like a mind, whatever. Um, and so, <laughs> I don't want to say the word. But um, it was just, like, yeah, like, trying to just, um, again, balance the both. Or balance mm-hmm. the two. And um, also just um, contact. <laughs> flag football is, you're, I'm not getting tackled. You know, I'm not having to tackle people. They're taking my flag and that's it. But rugby, I'm literally throwing my body into somebody somebody else is throwing their body into me so getting used to being tackled and waking up with like bruises and cuts and mm. you know injuries and things like that um it was different but I did not realize I was gonna love it the way that I do like I didn't think I was gonna like getting hit which I nobody likes getting hit but I didn't think I was gonna get used to that and mm. uh I am you know that and I that's gonna make for even you know I guess that's gonna make me a better actual tackle football athlete which is another venture I might be getting into was actual tackle football um so I'm kind of lucky that I'm already doing that um mm. and so it's a uh, yeah I think that was probably the biggest thing it was just trying to you know I'm getting hit now <laughs> that's different <laughs> yeah. So, yeah I still remember in high school um I had a bunch of friends joining rugby and I was so scared to join because like some of them were like coming home or like leaving games with concussions. And I was like, what in the world are you girls yeah. doing that you have concussions? Like, I don't get it. And they're like, oh, cause you tackle, you know, you tackle. So it was really, <laughs> it was really. Yeah. <laughs> That's my biggest fear is like getting a concussion. I'm very like, you know, aware of that when I'm playing and stuff. So. But, uh, you know, that's part of the game when you're playing a contact sport. So, I mean, I feel like, you know, eventually it might happen. Hopefully, you know, God willing, it doesn't. But, um, you know, that is something that you sign up for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask too, how has being in this competition or this sport had an impact on you personally? Oh man, rugby has literally changed my life because um, rugby is a reason why I've been able to travel the world um, more and uh, I've been able to experience different cultures. Um, rugby in itself is a different culture because you're coming into like a, almost like a new family because they are so supportive like you can literally go to a game take somebody's head off in a game right like bloody nose everything and then they're gonna come up to you and say hey good game let's go get a beer wow you know it's not like the any other sport i've ever experienced because in track we all have that one girl that we all hate we have that one team we hate you know we're never gonna talk to them football same thing like i don't like you you know we have that mentality like i want to take your head off and that's it like i don't want to associate with you and rugby, it's not like that. Like, nobody has – I mean, we have people like teams, like, we're like, oh, I really don't like this team. But it's weird because we're still going to go get a beer with you and talk to you. Mm. So um, it's a very friendly – and it's like going around the world and just saying, hey, I play rugby. Like, you automatically have a friend. 
now have friends like literally all across the world and it's crazy like I can almost visit any country and know that I have somebody that's going to make sure I'm good so it's a beautiful thing that's so cool and how much do you feel you've changed uh since you started this journey man um yeah I guess getting out of that like rival mentality like you know I have to have an enemy you know to compete against or whatever because I'm not used I wasn't used to that so I'm getting getting I'm not really used to like okay you just like almost broke my neck, but I'm going to still shake your hand. You know, like I'm not, I'm still like getting used to that, but it's, it's made me like a friendlier person as far as competition. Mm. Um, and then I'm more cultured, you know, like I, I, I was in, in Fiji, like eating di- like dinner with the chief, you know, so, and, yeah. and going through like the ceremony of like respect and everything. And it was just like, man, like, I don't know. Like I, I'm, I'm thankful to God. I wish I would have know, know about this sport when I was younger. I'm thankful to God that it came across my, you know, my path, you know, at, at the time that it did. So cool. And I wanted to ask too then, what are your future plans in regards to this sport? Like, where do you see see yourself, um, yeah, in the next four years or in the next eight years as a result of this sport? Um, pretty far-fetched, but <laughs> if you have some yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I mean, definitely, of course, an Olympian, hopefully by then, or uh, at that time because that will be the next Olympics. Um, and um, because of rugby, too, like, I've been able to, uh, you know, partner with different brands in other countries. I have a lot of fans in different countries. So hopefully, like, that's going to help me take everything that I'm doing um, to the next level as far as, like, international stuff. So, like, speaking internationally, um, which I had my first speaking engagement in the U.K. <laughs> wow. Because, of, you know, because everybody, you know, that's a big, you know, sport out there. Um, and just building myself, my brand, outside of the U.S. That's like my biggest goal for myself for the next few years because unfortunately, you know, I get a lot more support in other countries than here because it's still a very new sport here. People are still like, what the heck is this sport? (laughs) If you go to like New Zealand, it's like, that's football, Mm -hmm. like for them. So, um, yeah, so that's like the main thing, like just being successful overseas, you know, Um, and just building my name out there. Cool. And I guess I want to ask the same question in regards to, the businesses and the brands you've created around your image. Um, where do you see, yeah, what are your future plans with those? Oh, man. Um, yeah, it's a lot to name, but um, I'll just kind of sum it up. Uh, same thing, like, just building, you know, a name for, like, you know, as far as, like, becoming, like, a fitness model, you know, in the U.K. or whatever, um, and getting my book out in the U.K. or I mean, anywhere in the world, not just U.K. Um, <laughs> doing some TV shows overseas, you know, just, um, just everything. I just want to be successful overseas in that, you know, that, that space. So that's like my, the name, like hopefully the next few years, I'm giving myself, I'm 20, I'm about to be 28. So I'm saying by 30, I want to be a millionaire. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that, you know, uh, overseas would be a big part of why that, you know, becomes my reality. So. So cool. And final question for you. Um, what do you value the most about being an athlete? What I value the most about being an athlete is the fact that I am able to use a talent that God gave me um, for good to inspire, you know, people to chase their dreams and showing kids that it's possible. And especially young girls, because unfortunately, when I was younger, you know, I have a twin brother. So I wasn't I didn't have female athletes coming into my school and saying, hey, you can be like me. Like, hey, if you work hard mm-hmm. enough, this is what can happen. But the guys from like the time they were in like 
elementary school, they had like MLB players coming in, NFL players coming in. I never saw that. So mm-hmm. the fact that I can be that for these young girls and saying, hey, if you want to go to college, this is what to do. This is what to avoid. I can actually tell them how to be successful because I didn't have that as an athlete. So, so um, that's the big thing for me. So cool. Uh, thanks so much, Santia. And I wanted to um, make sure that if you have any projects or anything coming up that you want our audience to know, do you mind sharing it with us? Anything cool that you want to know? I wish I could share some things with you guys, but I got a lot of top secret things. Uh, but I will definitely keep you guys posted. <laughs> All right. You guys will just have to follow her socials, uh, which yes. will be included in the description of this podcast. And I just want to say thank you so much again for sharing your story. Uh, it's super inspirational and definitely rooting for you for the next Olympics. So that'll be awesome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks. Bye,